as it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so up to verse okay. 31, all right? You can do it from there. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexandra, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the centre, they began to inquire, By what power, or in what name, have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. Sorry, I love this bit. For there is no other name under heaven which has been given among men but by which we must be saved. Amen. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man which had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when, they had ordered them, but when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, Oh, what should we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place among them, through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people. Let us warn them not to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, 
they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage? And the people devised futile things. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord... Take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. That's brilliant. <laughs> well done. Thank you. That's brilliant. So we're looking at um, something really remarkable because here is a movement that has no buildings, no money no denominational headquarters, no hospitals. Um, They had nothing. And it wasn't what they got so much as what they didn't have. And what they didn't have threw them right on the Holy Spirit. Because we've got all this stuff now. (laughs) And like I said last week, when the old Pope Gregory, whoever it was. No, that's from Blackadder. I mean Pope Innocent III. I normally answer the phone. No, I won't. Silver and gold have I none. No longer can the church say silver and gold have I none, but said Thomas Aquinas, neither can the church say arise in the name of Jesus and walk. And we looked at the uh, lame man last week who after 40 years, imagine, 40 years, your muscles haven't moved, no tendons, no bones, uh, nothing moves. And then suddenly, two men come along, look you in the face and say, look at us. I mean, if you looked at those faces two months ago, you'd have seen fear and doubt and denial. Now they look into the face of someone who is utterly radiant says they had been with Jesus, didn't it, if you'd been listening there? Well, the fact was they were still with Jesus because his spirit was in them. Look at us. 
And we are coming to that point where we are going to say to people, you want to know what God's like? Well, look at us, because we are part of the family. We bear the image and the conformity of the invisible God. We are like Jesus. And that's what we are, aren't we? We mustn't be afraid of saying that. Look at us. It's a, it's a tremendous confidence. And this guy, he, he, it says he leapt and he danced. And I said last week, when I saw Connor dancing at that disco, he, he just, I, have you ever seen Connor bounce? He just goes right up in the air, bouncing. And I thought, that's what children do. And that's what the lame man did, because it was as though God was restoring the years that the locust had eaten, the years that the enemy had taken away from this man, the years when he had to sit and watch other kids running around and leaping and dancing and jumping. And God, through the power of the resurrection, causes this man to revisit his childhood and dance like a child. What's the greatest evidence of the resurrection. It's got to be the changed lives of the disciples, isn't it? It's got to be that, that someone who's the greatest doubter uh, ends up as a missionary in India. It's got to be that the greatest denier is in chapter 4 going to stand with the greatest brains and lawyers in Israel an uneducated, ignorant, it says, carpenter, not carpenter, fisherman, and baffle them. Can only be the Holy Spirit, can't it? Can only be God. Can only be God. I mean, Jesus said that. Look, when they arrest you, when they persecute you, I don't want you to worry about anything, uh, what to say. Just the Holy Spirit will teach you in that hour, what you should say. And here are these men absolutely proving it because what they did, I find it quite difficult this chapter, so I've kind of divided it into they disturbed the peace, they disturbed the powers, and they disturbed heaven. I'm turning into a Baptist with my, <laughs> my little alliterations. I hope you noticed that. <laughs> but here they are disturbing the peace. I mean, what were they doing? They were only doing good. I mean, sooner or later, I think the proof is that, you know, if we do, Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good, it says, healing people who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him, and they're doing good. But that doing good is going to land them into trouble because they disturbed the peace. I don't know if Joe Johnson laid in bed this week because our friend Martin Travers from Orpington Baptist and uh, Tony Hall from uh, down at um, Hope Church were going to see him. I don't know if he laid in bed and trembled and thought, I'm meeting the Christians tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know if he did that. I doubt it. Because we don't disturb the peace, do we, now? We rather fit in, don't we? We, we, we're trying to, and I don't get me wrong when I say this because I like all this, but it, we, we, we've done what I call the process thing. We've done the interest groups. We do Alpha, which is great. We do 
uh, food bank. We do all the things that are trying to help us to fit into the hub of society, the process thing. But we don't do the crisis thing. See, those five ministry gifts in Ephesians, uh, they work and the prophetic is working with the pastoral, but the evangelist is missing. And we have got to effect that paradigm shift where we turn round and we face the world and we get within us the, that yellow streak taken out of our back so that we can stand up in the name of Jesus. And it takes courage, doesn't it? It really does. And they disturbed the peace. They just upset people. Do we upset people today? We try not to upset them, don't we? We try really hard not to upset people. But I think we still do. I think the Holy Spirit within us still aggravates. They disturbed the peace. They disturbed the powers because this chapter is about the clash of two kingdoms. It's about the kingdom of God meeting the kingdom of the establishment in those days. And that establishment was run by one family, by Ananias. You read it. Luke goes into names. He likes names. And you can read the names. And they were all from the same family. And from the same family, the high priests came from the last 70 years. You can read that in that book uh, on Jerusalem. So this uh, dynastic family controlled the temple. The Sadducees uh, controlled the temple. That They were in cahoots with the Romans because the temple had turned into a great big filtration system where people were rejected or they were accepted according to if you could pay or not. That's why Jesus went in and upset the whole thing, if you may remember. That's why it was such a shock when Peter and John walked in with this, it says, and the, the crippled man standing there. Can you see it? It's just fantastic. This is really going to upset the status quo, the powers. This is a real conflict between principalities and powers and the arrival of the kingdom of God through the disciples. What are you living for today? What do you live out? What's your source? Are you part of the church or are you part of the kingdom? Do you live out of logic and reason? We're part of a church that for the last 2,000 years has lent unto its own understanding and we should be living by revelation. We should be living by revelation from the scriptures and the risen power of our Lord Jesus. Look at us. Look at us. Because we've got the Holy Spirit on us and we're anointed by God. And if the book of Acts is saying anything, it's saying all right, we can do our petition, but start doing your proclaiming. Start saying it now. Start proclaiming the word of God. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. You know, the Romans did not have a problem with religion. They had loads of religions. But Venus, Mars, all sorts of things you could worship. They hadn't got a problem with religion at all, provided you paid your taxes and half of the kingdoms that they invaded uh, were slaves. And did you know that the, that the, 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 
that the names attributed to our Lord Jesus in the book of Revelation were all attributed to the Caesars. Lord and God, when he walked into the Colosseum, they arose and they said, Caesar, our Lord and our God. On their coins, uh, it said the word gospel, which I think Pat was eulogion, which is good news, the good news of Caesar. Peace, Prince of Peace. He was called, the Caesars were all called this. And we took those names. It's like a bit of cheek from John later in Revelation. Oh, nick those. It's like, General Boo, why should the devil have all the best songs? Come on, let's nick this stuff. Came from Rome. We've got to be thinking like that. Oh, they never had a problem with religion. But they did have a problem with this gospel because it preached another king. This was something quite different. This was people walking into the temple and proclaiming, Jesus is Lord. And one day you're going to meet him. One day you're going to have to face him. One day you're going to have to account for your life before him. This was the powers meeting with the Holy Spirit, this clash of the kingdoms. And it's incredible that these two guys who are reckoned to be, I've wrote it down, but I've forgotten it now, just ignorant, just unlearned, because you know, as we said it before, that the rabbis always chose the best. But not this rabbi. He's chosen, he's chosen a couple of fishermen. He's chosen ordinary people. To be with him. This is a this is a clash of the best brains in the country and the working classes. You know what's wrong with old David Cameron? He surrounds himself with people from Harrow and Eton. What the blazes do people from Harrow and Eton? Sorry if you went there. I apologise. But what would they know about working class people? Nothing. Really? Would they? You can argue with me later about that one. Church of God, oh, it's just full of people that are a cross-section of society, from the highest to the lowest. This clash of the kingdoms, this clash of powers. And then, I mean, I just find it hilarious that uh, they have this argument and they try and stop them. And Peter's defence, you know, if you read it, it's fantastic. He says, so, I'm standing here today because of a good deed that we've done in the name of Jesus. We're not the people you're looking for. It's not us. It's the bloke who was standing here three months ago whom you crucified. He's the one who healed him. It's incredible. It really is And you lot killed Jesus. I mean, that transformation in the man who ran away and cursed and swore. And here he is standing there. You lot killed Jesus, he said. And I'm here for a good deed. And then they had to go away and deliberate it. He's been with Jesus. Of course, they were still with Jesus. Still brave. 
still bold. And then they, they say, you can't do this anymore. But there was no law to say that. So what they did is what they do in totalitarian states. They made up a law. <laughs> they made it up. And they said, you can't do this anymore. And Peter said this, I could appeal to the, a, another judge in the land, but you are the highest judges because you are the elitist. You're the clever ones. But I am now referring to a judge that is higher than you because I'm referring to the judgment of God. And you must judge between yourselves whether or not it is right for me to obey God or to obey you. What courage! Can you see it? I mean, I just think, this is amazing. This bloke standing there and giving them what for, and they didn't know what to say. Couldn't answer. They tried to bully them. They tried to intimidate them. They tried to put them down. These men, you see what the Holy Spirit does when he comes. He gives us courage. He gives us boldness. They go back to church and they say, we can't do this anymore. What should we do? What should we do? We can't preach anymore. They've forbidden us to heal and to preach in the name of Jesus. What should we do? And because it was a good church, they said, well, we'll pray. Let's pray. And this is what they prayed. They said, Sovereign Lord, which is like unchallengeable ruler. So if you're going to pray, get a great big fat vision of God and who he is. When you get a big vision of God, which is what they got, Sovereign Lord, behold their threats. Now notice this. They didn't say, Lord, get the powers that manipulate and control and use religion and get them to endorse us. Get them on our side, Lord. Which is what happened in AD 303 when Constantine converted to Christianity and we stopped growing and the church became what the church is, which has put millions of people off in the world. Before all that stuff, the church grew like wildfires through almost three different continents. Lord, behold their threats. And they didn't say, Lord, please get them to endorse us. They didn't say, Lord, stop the pain. Make them go away. In the name of Jesus, tell them to go away. They didn't say that. They said, Lord, we know we're going to have to go through this. So give us courage. Lord, give me strength because I've got to go through this stuff. And I can't avoid it. And I can't run away. You notice throughout, throughout the Bible, that's what God's like. He just simply says, I will be with you. Gideon says, what? Hail thou mighty man of valor. What? What are you saying? Don't you see my, my inability, my limited, uh, I'm the wrong family, I'm the wrong bloke, I'm the young. God, no, I'll be with you. 
You mind spending the night in a lion's den? Oh, a lion's den. What a good idea. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Spend the night in a lion's den. Yes, of course. I'll be with you. There's no Valium, there's no counselling, there's no therapy. It's just God saying, I'll be with you. I was look, laughing this morning, looking at Moses, where God says to him at the burning bush, he said, I've seen, I've seen the, the conflict, I've, seen the, I've heard their groanings. And God says, and I am coming down to save them. Oh, God. And then he says to Moses, now you go. Can you imagine? He said, what? You just said that you were going to do it. <laughs> he did. You read it. God says, I am coming down to save them. Now you go. <laughs> I, I thought it was you, God. I thought it was going to be all of God and none of me. That is not Christianity. That's a kind of Eastern mysticism that says, it's all of God. You know, that's silly talk we use sometimes when we say to one another, God, that was brilliant the way you led worship. It wasn't me. It was the Lord. We'll all hang the guitar up there next week and we'll let the Lord play to us. Because real, gutsy, acts of the apostles, Christianity is God and man and woman working together. This God who so loves to cooperate and work with us this God who wants to use you. That's why he said, stretch out your hand. What have you got in your hand? God wants to use you. All this nonsense about it's all of God and none of me. No, 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 no. This is wonderful combination <laughs> where God says to us. And they got it because they said, Lord, give me boldness. Give me boldness. Now, we don't know what's coming around the corner, do we? We don't know when we're going to need the grace of God. I was thinking this morning, when I, when I had a heart attack and I was, they said I was going to die. They told my friends he's not going to live. Um, if you told me a year before that you're going to have a heart attack and end up in hospital and have all sorts of things done to you, I'd have said, oh, oh no, <gasps> wouldn't you? Wouldn't you if you knew what was around the corner? But you see, God doesn't give us grace for a year's time. No such thing as prevenient grace in that way. God gives us grace when we need it. That's why it's now. That's why Maynard was saying now. This is a God who lives in the now. Who wants to give us grace and courage to get through. I don't know what you're going through. I you know, this is not just about preaching the gospel. This is about courage for life. We need courage, don't we? We may be having all kinds of domestic issues, work issues, economic issues, stuff uh, that, that, that is crippling us. And here is this wonderful God saying, I'll be with you. And I'll put some backbone in you. And I'll put some guts and some courage into you. Because we live out of a different dimension. Do you know that the law of the spirit of, of life in Christ Jesus lifts us above the down drag of sin in this world? It's a different dimension. 
We don't live out of logic and reason. We live out of revelation and the anointing of the Spirit. And then it says they prayed. And it says God so flipping liked their prayer, he really liked it, he shook the whole building. He joined in the prayer meeting and he shook it. I've never been in a meeting where the buildings have shook. I've been in a meeting where the whole room was filled with the fragrance of the Lord Jesus. About 400 people in this room. And fragrant, beautiful, beautiful. This wonderful aroma of heaven just comes. And these things happened. I had a friend who rang me from East Anglia and said, in our Anglian church, we were having a prayer meeting and the building shook. But it was God saying, I really like what you're saying. You're not asking me to eliminate them. You're asking me for courage to go through the problems which you are having to face. And what my shaking is saying is you're in my hand. You're in my hand. Whatever your situation is, you are in the hands of God. All things work together for good to those that love God and to those who are according, called according to his purpose. It's not a kind of, quote, Kesara thing. It's if you love God and if you are living according to his purposes, everything that is happening to you this morning in your life, God can and will make it work together for good because that's the kind of God he is. And this morning he says, I've got you in my hands. And there might be a shaking going on and God is shaking us. There is a shaking as he shakes the flesh and the world and the devil out of us, but puts in by the Son and Holy Spirit the unbeatable trinity of God that Satan can't penetrate and take us out of because we are loved with a Trinitarian love this morning that comes straight from heaven. Oh, they disturb the peace they disturbed the powers. They disturbed the heavens. Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Whoa. You feel the Holy Spirit? Wonderful, wasn't he? I love the Holy Spirit. I was thinking this morning when I lived in Germany and the Holy Spirit came on me in Berlin. It was so fantastic, so wonderful. And I had this ministry of blowing down the phone on people's heads. And they wrote about me in the Evangelical Alliance. They said, this is why, this is why we have to bring in the Berlin Charter to stop this excessive stuff because people would ring me up. I don't know how they found out. And they said, I need God. And I said, well, put the phone on your head and I'll blow down the phone and they fall on the floor. I couldn't help it. It was God. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's in the imperative mood. It says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just once. Be being filled. Are you filled with the Spirit this morning? How are you? What are you located to this morning? Is it just the church? All right, if the church is the kingdom, fine. But is it the kingdom? Is it that life? saving, resurrection, glorious power. Jesus, when Richard was praying, I was thinking, when he ascended into heaven, it wasn't 
E.T. is going home. E.T. is going home. It wasn't that nonsense, was it? It was enthronement. It was glorification. And that's the spirit that's come on us. The spirit of a glorified, enthroned man in heaven who has poured out his spirit on his church and can take people like Peter and John and me and you and turn us into world beaters. He can do it. Otherwise, it's nonsense what we say here. And it isn't nonsense. It's brilliant, isn't it? Hallelujah. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit come on you this morning. Let him touch you. Holy Spirit, you are here, here to give us courage to face stuff. We can't even say it, what it is, Lord, but you know, we just need some courage, Lord, to carry on. As some people here, you're at, you're at your wit's end. You're actually saying something like, I'm, I'm so low I could reach up and touch the bottom. And the Holy Spirit is here to give you courage, <laughs> give you strength. Holy Spirit, come on your people here who love you and have served you faithfully over the years in this church. Lord, I ask, I, I pray this, Lord, I, I so hate that exclusivism that religion gives, that elitism, that power games that people play with one another. And there are people here who have been subjected to that in, that in their lives. Power play in churches that have hurt and eliminated them and say you don't fit. Jesus, that's what they said about you. This is the stone which the builders rejected. It didn't fit. God, Jesus, you didn't fit, but you started something really fit, Lord, when you started your church. Something really fit, something wonderful, a brand new humanity which we're part of this morning. Oh, brothers and sisters, we're not part of, of some denominational we are we are part of the church of the risen magnificent enthroned lord jesus this morning don't you think that's wonderful breathe his spirit into you take it it's wonderful it's here to refresh you to anoint you to kiss you back into life again lord jesus oh we praise you lord or oh, just take a moment just be with yourself just for a moment, just to pray. We're very impressed with you, Holy Spirit. We think you're wonderful. We try to sing Amazing God, and it leaves us breathless, Lord Jesus, that you would love us so 
and want to work with us and to flow through us this very day. Give us grace, Lord, to, to be proclaimers of your truth, to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. As the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven in Luke 24, he says he stretched out his hands and he ascended before them. And I believe that he was saying the ironic prayer, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you this morning and give you peace. May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'll turn to another and say, I really enjoyed that. <laughs>